Well, hey, good morning, church. What an absolute joy and pleasure to be back home, to be back and sharing the Word of God. What a privilege. It's been five weeks. Uh, I took a uh, preaching sabbatical, the longest that I've ever taken of uh, being in full-time ministry, a full-time pastor since 2003. So that's uh, 18 years. Um, but it's been good to be back and to recharge, uh, reset, get some respite and clarity. I don't know if you've heard, but yes, uh, during second week into my break, I actually uh, fell off the ladder and I fractured two of my ribs and uh, severely broke my hand. I just got surgery about three weeks ago and it's feeling a lot better. But all that to say is thank you so much for those of you who prayed, uh, those of you who swung by the house, drop off food. Um, Y'all know butter mochi is my weakness, is my kryptonite. So thank you to everybody that uh, dropped by. But anyways, would you open your Bibles this morning to Proverbs chapter 1? We're launching a six-week study on the book of Proverbs. We're going to go through the, the structure and more importantly, the intent and the purpose of making godly decisions. You see, the Bible makes it very clear that God sets it out before us. It's very plain. And Deuteronomy says, hey, it's the word of God is not in the high in the heavens that, that you have to go and reach it. It's not down to the depths of the earth that you have to dig down. It says, hey, the word is in your mouth. Uh, God said, I've laid it, I laid it out before you, right? Either life or death. Like you choose, you make a decision. Choose wisely, either blessings or cursings. Or in the case of Proverbs, whether to live with wisdom or to live in foolishness. To be wise or to be fool. To be righteous or, or unrighteous. And what I love about God is that He leaves it up to us. He allows uh, the human free will. See, love is ultimately has to come down to a choice. And love is free. And God gives us the freedom to do that and to choose and to make wise decisions. Now, speaking of decisions, we make dozens of decisions each day. We choose some simple, some complex. You know, psychology today estimates that an adult makes 35,000, 35,000 conscious decisions each and every single day. You know, Cornell University says that we make 226 decisions each day just on food alone. Every day, 226 on food or what to drink, to have dessert or not dessert, to continue on keto, in your keto diet or to break your keto diet. You know, some decisions ca carry little or no weight. But other decisions are heavy and they have an eternal and life-altering results. And God, in the book of Proverbs, um, wisdom 
is personified as a woman calling out into the streets. Wisdom is personified, um, reaching out, calling in the streets, and he's and she's calling us to follow her and to heed her instruction and to heed her wisdom and to make wise decisions. So let's turn to Proverbs chapter 1. In verse 1, it says, The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel, Verse 2, it gives us the purpose of the book of Proverbs, which is to know wisdom and instruction, to understand words of insight, to receive instruction in wise dealing, in righteousness, justice, and equity. Verse 4, to give prudence to the simple, knowledge and discretion to the youth. Let the wise hear and increase in learning, and the one who understands obtain guidance. To understand a proverb and a saying, the words of the wise and their riddles. And here it is, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, and fools despise wisdom and instruction. This is the word of the Lord. Amen? Amen. Well, today we're going to talk about two things, about wisdom and the fear of God. In fact, in verse 7, this is what I want to highlight, is that um, the fear of the Lord or the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. The genesis or the inception of right living and, and living wisely is when we have this thing called the fear of the Lord. You see, the fear of the Lord isn't just a biblical concept or is a theological truth, but it is really pragmatic. The fear of the Lord, it takes its shape and it takes its form in everyday life and practical ways of living. See, wisdom the Greek, the Hebrew word there is hachma, right? It's it's more of a skill. Uh, it's a skill in used in, in war. It's skill in administration. It's shrewdness and wisdom. In fact, in all throughout Psalms and Proverbs, uh, God is is described as having wisdom or skill in creating the heavens and the earth and setting the moon. See, wisdom is not just head knowledge or knowledge, but really wisdom is knowledge applied. Wisdom isn't just about smarts, but it's about street smarts. It's the know-how and knowing how to. If you want to learn how to navigate through the 35 decisions that we have to make every day, we're going to have to have wisdom. I mean, really, if you think about it, you are who you are today. You are where you are today because of the decisions that you made. In fact, I mean, you could say that um, you are the sum or the total of all the decisions that you've made. And we need wisdom in the decisions that we make. We need wisdom and, and discernment, and we need the fear of God to lead us and to guide us. And uh, the main point that I want us to have uh, today is this. Would you write this down? Wisdom in fearing God is this, is to live a radical God-centeredness 
underline that, write that down. A radical God-centeredness that shapes everything else in life. Wisdom and fearing God means that you're building your life around the person and the work of Jesus Christ. A godly wisdom means that everything, your time, your life, your priorities, your relationships, it all revolves around and it orbits around God himself. This means that we are to take God more seriously than anything else, whether it's priorities or opinions or opinions about other people in your life, that you take God first and foremost, that he's the for, first and foremost in our thoughts, in our priorities, and how we view the world. And the fear of God, it's important to realize that God is not a cruel tyrant or he's standing you know, that we're standing before the ocean and that we're in awe of it, but um, because the ocean, it's impersonal. But really the fear of the Lord is the fear of Yahweh. And what I mean by that is that Yahweh is the personal name of God. It's how God cho chose to reveal himself. Remember when Moses asked, whom shall I say, say sent me? He says, tell them I am Yahweh. I will be who I will be. I am this covenant-making, this covenant-keeping God. And we are to be in reverent awe and respect when it comes to God, Yahweh, that um, this is the same God who, who bound himself, who... Uh, who berit karat in Hebrew, meaning that God cuts a covenant. He bounds himself to you and to me in love, that we are to have a reverence of a father who knows us and who is for us, and that, that we are to shape our lives practically on this fear of God. And I don't think you can have a true biblical understanding of our own sin until we see the God in His holiness. Because if we don't see, if we don't have this fear of God, if we don't see, recognize that God is holy, we're just going to say and think like, oh, well, you know, I'm just a flawed person. You know, that wasn't really the best version of me. But when we see God for who He is, that He was, He is high and lifted up, we would never think of trying to solve our own problems, our own sin, ourselves. The fear of the Lord is one of the great needs of the church today. That's why Proverbs 1.7 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and fools despise wisdom and instruction. And here's our first point. Would you write this down? Wisdom begins by having a healthy fear of God. Wisdom starts and it begins when we have a healthy, a robust, a good understanding of who God is and who we are. God is this uncreated being and he is the only uncreated being in the entire existence of the universe and everything else is created. See, God is constant. He does not change. He is to be feared. He is to be revered. And we are to stand in awe of who we are. 
from Genesis to Revelation, God is to be feared, that God is to be loved and honored. Sometimes we come across verses like Philippians 3, right? That work out your salvation with fear and trembling. And we think, oh, uh, does, well, does tremble really mean tremble? Doesn't it just mean respect? No, to work out your own salvation with fear and what else? Trembling. That we're to come before God and understand God and our response to who God is, that we're to tremble, that we're to um, have this reverent fear of, man, God is God and I am not. When you look at people's encounters in the Bible, they were afraid and they had this healthy fear. Remember Isaiah, when he saw the Lord high and lifted up, what did he say? Woe is me, I'm about to be destroyed, I'm about to die. He is so holy, he's going to destroy me. He's like, I'm a man of unclean lips and I'm, I'm, I live with a people of unclean lips. I just saw the glory of God, the train of his robe filled the temple and I, I'm done. The word woe, it's like, it's, it's the strongest emphatic way to say, it's like, ah, oh, it's over, I'm dead, I'm done. Like, this is God. In Job chapter 42, this is what Job says. He says, my ears had always heard of you, but now my eyes have seen you. And, this, and now that I've seen you, what? I despise myself. And those were his words. He says, I always heard about you. I heard of your fame. I heard of your reputation. I, I, I learned about you in church. I, I learned about you in, in Bible study or in small group. I heard all about you. But now that I, I see you for myself and he saw God for who he was, that God is spirit. Hebrews says that God is this um, all-consuming fire that God cannot be contained, that God is spirit. He's everywhere at the same time, omnipotent, all-powerful, omniscient. He is all-knowing, omnipresent, that he's everywhere at the same time. This is who God is. And when Job saw God for who he was, he says, I've heard about you. Now that I've seen you in my own eyes, like I despise myself, like I hate myself. Why would Job say that? I think after he saw God for who he was, he goes, I, I, can't, I can't believe that I ever questioned you. I can't believe that I even doubted you. You know what? I'm just going to shut up. I'm, just, I'm not even going to say another word. I, now that I see you for who you really are, I despise myself and I'm going to uh, repent in dust and ashes. Ecclesiastes says that, God, you are God in heaven. Here I am on earth. Let my words be few. You see, in Revelation, John the Beloved, the disciples who Jesus loved, this same John who would um, lay down his head on the chest of Jesus, when he saw Jesus in his glorified state, 
when he understood who Jesus really was and is, and when he had a vision of him, when he said his eyes were like fire, his face was like the sun, and from his tongue it, it came a sword, and I just fell at his feet, and I just fell like a dead man. I just straight up collapsed. And this is the response, and this is what happened when people saw God. It was fear. And fear means fear. It's not respect. It's not reverence, but like fear because you are in the presence of God, this uncreated being. In Isaiah, when Isaiah saw a vision of who God is, it says the angels and the cherubim, they would have six wings, right? They would fly, another to carry the thongs, but another two wings, and it says it, it covered their feet. You know, I read Old Testament scholars, and then they said that their feet needed to be covered because the, the cherubim, it, their feet represents creatureliness, that they are created beings. And this, this creatureliness needed to be covered in the face of this uncreated being called God, who is outside of space and time, who is all-powerful. That if you are this created being, from dust we came, dust we shall return, and you're in the presence of this powerful um, being, you're, you're like, oh my gosh, I'm dead. This is God. My very next breath depends on His sovereignty and His goodness. My very life comes from Him. And He holds it by His grace and His mercies. I share this illustration or the story a couple months ago, but... Uh, we're having dinner at my in-laws house uh, back in California a while back about uh, 15 years ago and the, all the animals were going crazy uh, they lived at, like in a little ranch they had horses and goats and all the neighborhood dogs and the, the horses and the goats they're all going crazy and I didn't think anything of it you know and I, I went to throw out the rubbish and I as I threw out as I deposited the through the rubbish in the rubbish can, I saw about, I kid you not, maybe 10 feet was a mountain lion, like a straight up mountain lion. And when I encountered, when I saw this majestic, fierce, ginormous animal, who with one bite could snuff out my life, with one swipe of his claw could just cut my carotid arteries and just I could just die. I'm like, <gasps> took my breath away. And I'm like, oh man. And you know what I did? I made myself look big. <laughs> and I walked backwards. And they say never lose eye contact with... A mountain lion. I walked backwards, made myself look big, appear big. And that's just a, a mountain lion. Can you imagine facing God? Like every instance 
of people encountering God, they were filled with fear because this God is holy. He is other than. There's no one we can compare to God. He is unique. He is separate. He's the Alpha, the Omega, the first, the last, the beginning and the end. And the good news is in Ephesians chapter 2, um, it says, But God is rich in mercy. Whether you want to believe it or not, there's this being who is rich in mercy, who wants to forgive. And it says, because of the great love with which he loved us, whether you've been loved by a dad or you've never understood how an authority figure could want intimacy with you, I'm telling you it's the truth that God is this powerful God, he's this powerful being, and he wants to have a relationship with you so bad that he was willing to give of himself, give his only begotten son. There's a holy God coming with his own holy angels to judge the world. He alone is the judge of the earth. When you come to the end of your life, you don't get, approach God and get to judge him and question him. He questions you. He's your creator. But the crazy thing is that he wants you. And that's the greatest joy that you're going to find in life when you understand you have a holy, holy, holy judge of the earth, but he is your father. He is rich in mercy. And wisdom begins when you, you realize that you have to give an account. Jesus says not even an idle word that you say out of your mouth. You, you have to give an account for every idle word. When you realize you've been given a gift of breath and life and time on this earth and you have to give an account, when, when you, you realize and come to terms that Man, I'm just but dust. Dust I came, thus I shall return. And I'm just a temporal being, but God is eternal. And I have to give an account of my life and submit myself to Him. That's where wisdom begins. It's with God. It's understanding who God is and understanding um, and, and fearing Him. And secondly, would you write this down? The more you fear God, the more you grow closer in intimacy with Him. Let me repeat that. The more you fear God, the more you grow closer in intimacy with Him. This is one of those wonderful, counterintuitive, opposite dynamic in the kingdom of God. That in the Bible, the more you fear the Lord and the more you see Him as high and lifted up, the more you actually experience intimacy and closeness with Him. Because who does God draw near to? He draws near to the one who sees him high and lifted high. If we want to know God, so, and sometimes we fear that if we fear God, it's like, oh, God is up there, he's watching me, that we'll, we'll be farther apart from him and we'll be more distant from him. But 
Biblically, it's the exact opposite because he moves forward to those who see him for who he is and in their humility, he lifts them up. Let's look at Psalm 145 verses 18 and 19. The Lord is near to all who call on him, to all who call on him in truth. He fulfills the desire of those who fear him. He also hears their cry and saves them. See, when we have the fear of the Lord, we grow closer to Him. And the fear of the Lord, it will help you in your holiness, and especially when we combat sin in our lives. You see, if we don't have the fear of God, we could have accountability groups. We could have great filters in our computers. But if we're not cultivating this fear of the Lord, we could get around those things, right? We can, you can lie to your accountability partner. You could find passwords. You could override systems. But if we're not cultivating this deep fear of the Lord, we're missing out on an absolute fundamental way in how we relate to God and grow in our lives. If we don't have this fear of God, of growing clo close to Him, will manipulate and will focus on uh, behavior management instead of true growth, this true transformation of understanding who God is and seeing God for who He really is. I had a, a classmate in Bible college and he was with his girlfriend. He was going to ask her to be his fiance, but Anyways, um, during this time, he was a youth pastor at a church. He was a youth, he, yeah, he was a youth pastor at a church, and he was sharing with me. It's like, hey, John, you know what, man? Sometimes, you know, my girlfriend and I, got, and I, we go a little bit too far in our intimacy. And bro, can I tell you something, man? It's the only thing that's stopping me from going all the way and not committing sexual immorality with. Uh, my girlfriend is it's not because I, I fear God. It's not because I love God or I, I, I want to bring reproach to his name. It's like, man, sometimes um, the only thing that's stopping me is I don't want to get fired from my job. Isn't that crazy? Like, and the same guy... He's uh, been divorced. Uh, he divorced his wife and, you know, committed adultery, walked away from the Lord. You see, when it comes down to rules, if you think following God comes down to rules and regulations, but not this understanding of who God is, that God is holy, Man, nothing, no rule or no consequence will be enough. We need to come to terms with who God is. As we come to an understanding of this gospel of grace, which drives everything, let's not confuse legalism with obedience. Legalism is trying to work our way to God, but obedience is a good thing that comes from a good God 
and from the commands of a gracious Father who knows what's best for us. In my own life, when I come across something that I don't want to do, I'm going to trust Him. I'm going to submit to God. When I have, you know, we have a hard time in our culture because the number one thing is autonomy. That we want to make our own decisions, that we don't want to be, and we want to be completely independent and not rely on anybody else. But we're covering the fear of the Lord. We recognize that God says who He says He is, that He is a merciful God, abounding in mercy, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, but who will not clear the guilty. He is holy, He is righteous, and He's the judge of the earth. He deserves our reverence and our fear. So as we bring this to a close, you know, we have a tough time because sometimes we relate to God as our Father and we relate our own experience of what a Father is. And sometimes we think of fearing uh, God and we think of fearing an abusive Father or fearing this like an evil dictatorship or regime. That is an unhealthy fear of running away from God. But a true fear of God realizes that you can't run from God. And the only option is to run to Him. And when you run to Him, you find the embrace of a father. Religion says, Oh man, I messed up. Dad's gonna kill me. But the gospel says, I messed up. I better call my dad. So would we come to the Lord this morning? Let's pray. Uh, Lord, we thank you, God, for this morning. Uh, thank you, Lord, for your word. And we ask, oh Lord God, that we would develop this fear of you, this reverence, awe of who you are. And from that place, Lord, that we would make godly and wise decisions. We thank you, Lord, for your goodness and your faithfulness. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, you guys. Well, thank you so much for joining us. So great to be back. If you're able, join us tonight, uh, 5 p.m. for our live in-person service. Have an amazing week. We love you guys.